This podcast is sponsored by Alacrity, a leading payments fintech dedicated to helping credit unions compete with challenger banks and digital wallets by transforming their payments experience. Alacrity offers seamless real-time money movement experiences such as loan pay, A2A transfers, digital disbursements, and bill pay. Alacrity also connects credit unions to the Clearinghouse, Fedwire, ACH, Visa Direct, and FedNow on a single platform. Everything is cloud-native and ISO 20022-based, eliminating the need to overhaul legacy infrastructure or significant upfront investment. From the Credit Union National Association, this is the CUNA News Podcast. Credit Union people. Credit Union ideas. financial services industry is driven by payments, and as the world becomes a more global marketplace, real-time cross-border payments are fast becoming table stakes for not only financial institutions, but regulators, processors, and other third-party stakeholders. I'm Ron Jose, Senior Editor with CUNA News. In this podcast, Mark Majeski, Senior Vice President of Faster Payments from Alacrity, explains the status of real-time cross-border payments within the financial services industry. Until now, most consumers have relied on wire transactions to send money internationally, but real-time payments are more timely, efficient, and cost-effective, and those are among the reasons for the push by key financial system players to bring RTP to the cross-border transfer environment. In this interview, Majeski explains how close we are to realizing real-time cross-border payments. This includes meeting challenges such as interoperability and fraud. Among the benefits that fintechs such as Alacrity provide clients with is assistance with back-office and reporting requirements, enabling credit unions to offer the same payment services as larger financial institutions. Mark, thanks for joining us. And do you want to tell us a little bit about your role at Alacrity and your background? Sure. Thank you, Ron. Um, I'm relatively new to Alacrity. I have been here a whole two months, and my role is Senior Vice President of Faster Payments. Prior to Alacrity, I spent a number of years at FIS heading up product development for Faster Payment Rails. That included RTP, working directly with the Fed for FedNow, and also working on Zelle. Prior to that, I spent about five years at the Clearinghouse, where I was on the team, part of the team that designed, developed, and launched the RTP Faster Payments Network in the United States. So you're definitely not new to the industry. No. Prior to that, worked at numerous banks. So I, I basically come from the banking sector, previously with J.P. Morgan Chase, Citi, SunTrust, and TD Bank, both in Canada and the United States. Wow. So yeah, you definitely have a varied background as well. We're talking about cross-border payments, first of all, and it it seems like cross-border payments are a hot topic right now, but we've kind of been building up to them, if I'm not wrong. So why do you think we're hearing more about cross-border payments right now? I think one reason is there are more of them. I did some research from an Ernst & Young document that I recently saw, and they had an estimated about 156 trillion cross-border transactions, global transactions happening in 2022. A lion's share of those, are, are 96% of them, are B2B payments, and typically they're wire. The balance 
kind of fall out evenly between C to B, B to C, and consumer to consumer. That's where the growth is, though. It's kind of interesting. Growth is in low-value cross-border payments that are made digitally. And so when we say digitally, we really mean starting to using products outside of wire. A lot of customers ask me, a lot of prospects and banks ask me, what's going to happen to our wire business when a lot of these faster payment capabilities come online? And the answer is pretty much nothing because the 96% of B2B payments uh, make up that projection. So I don't think wires are going anywhere. However, more and more people outside of businesses are using them. So where are we coming from? I mean, all this is, as I said, it was building up and a lot of this is iterative. So where were we with the ability to send funds instantly across borders previously? I think that the major areas where people were sending, right, is obviously wire. Uh, So you hear a lot about that. And then also international ACH. Outside of those areas, within the last 10 years, uh, we're starting to see, and I happen to have the opportunity to launch Visa Direct in Canada to use for cross-border payments. So that's one venue. MasterCard Send does that as well. So those are both push-to-card options. PayPal, obviously, Western Union, and Earthport, which I think has been recently purchased by Visa, and they used international ACH. What we usually find is these abilities, right? One of the drawbacks to a wire, I think, for most consumers, it's it's rather expensive and it's complicated. You have to know whether you need an IBAN number or not. There are certain pieces of data that you need. And also, it's not 24-7. So these other options like Visa Direct, we'll start to see other options like RTP. FedNow will eventually offer cross-border and as will Zelle. When that happens, it moves that time frame. It's 24-7, but now it's payments in seconds, not minutes. So... What's the expectation level here for cross-border payments to be real-time? Yeah, I think absolutely it has to be real-time. I think those are people's expectations. When we look at consumers particularly, but also small business, there are changing consumer demands, right? But this just doesn't apply to cross-border. It also applies to domestic transactions. So what are they looking for? Customers, members of credit unions looking for a cost that's less than a wire. Wires are prohibitive, especially if you're sending low value. The other is that they're looking for 24-7 speed and flexibility. A lot of these customers are starting to have additional trade with emerging markets. And we see trends. You know, all this is made possible by advances in phone technology, mobile technology, right? So as phones become your major source of sending payments, which it is and will continue to be, more people will use them. So interoperability among networks is part of this as well, I think. How will cross-border real-time payments work if TCHRTP network and the FedNow service aren't interoperable? That's a good question, and it's causing a lot of confusion in the market. I think when you look at domestic transactions, it causes more of a rift not having that interoperability than cross-border transactions. Because typically what you would want to happen in a domestic transaction, best case, is that I could initiate an RTP transaction to a FedNow bank that's not an RTP bank, right? And be able to complete that transaction. Typically in a cross-border transaction, it doesn't normally go over two rails. So it's usually a single rail, single transaction. So I don't believe that the interoperability topic is as 
big of an issue as it is for cross-border than it is for domestic. So what are the use cases for cross-border real-time payments that credit unions really care about? I know they're a little, every financial institution is a little different. What about credit unions specifically? You know, you bring up a good point that they're different. I, I think each each credit union and banks as well have a very different portfolio. And I think banks need to be aware of that and cater to that. And so what I'm seeing in a lot of credit unions, particularly around cross-border, is an interest. And I'll just use some examples where uh, maybe a credit union caters to military families. Well, the fact is that oftentimes the military families are overseas. And the, the need is there to move money quickly, right, when someone's paid or, or to get funds to someone for one reason or another. That's a prime example of one. I, I think also I've seen other credit unions that cater to expats, those working in the United States but have homes, permanent homes outside the United States. And those are ones that I've seen maybe for the World Bank, you know, I've had chats with. And so obviously the ability to quickly send cross-border payments in an efficient safe and secure way are extremely important. So those are just some examples. Any bank, any credit union has a certain portfolio. What I always tell them is make sure you start with the customer or the member, right? Talk to them, see what they want to do, and then go out and choose a rail. Because rails to me are tools. And so what you really want to do is come up with your application or your use case that'll satisfy your customer need and then go out and shop for a venue. Now, you mentioned the word safe and secure, and um, fraud is such a big concern. It's a concern for consumers, credit unions. They spend so much money on compliance and resources on compliance, um, and it's such a big part of their risk profile. Do you have any fraud concerns about real-time payments? I think I would be lying if I said no. Um, I always have fraud concerns. And so, and this is both domestic and cross-border. It's important that many of those payment transactions, that banks, credit unions, they have the proper level of fraud detection screening in place to protect their bank and their members. Cross-border transactions also require additional protection, including sanction screening. So what happens in a cross-border transaction is it can be more risky than a domestic transaction. For some of these reasons, I'll give some examples Many people, many fraudsters try to move funds outside of the United States for tax evasion, to fund terrorist organizations, that sort of thing. It doesn't happen as much domestically. So those are things that fraud systems have to be able to do quickly as we start to move into the faster payments arena for cross-border payments. These systems, the fraud systems that are put in place need to be very quick, very proactive in assessing the risk before the transaction is done. So they really have to be proactive in the process. Now, one of the levers that credit unions and other financial institutions have right off the top of my head is monetary limitations. And that's a, obviously a huge factor in the ability to move money. Is that a deterrent to fraud? Yes, it is a deterrent. And really, I see limits being placed in two ways. One, typically, the network itself. So I'll give you an example of RTP or even Visa. They all have limits. And those limits are put in place. They're per transaction limits that protect right, the network overall. So it's not being used as a mule type of an account to move a great you know, amount of funds cross-border quickly. 
so the first layer of protection is the rail itself imposing uh, those restrictions. But what a lot of credit unions don't realize is they have a lot of control as well in terms of the limits that they place on their members. So for instance, if you are less comfortable with sending large amounts of money on the weekend or holidays, the uh, credit union can limit those transactions on those particular days and open them up more towards during the week when they have folks on board to look at those transactions more carefully. So also there are limits, daily limits, weekly limits, monthly limits. There are limits that they can place on new customers to the system, which is important. So really there's two layers. And so one at the rail level and one at the bank level or credit union level. Yeah, just common sense diligence, I guess. Right, exactly. So on any discussion of payments, fintechs are involved. And I guess you can say they always make the uh, life interesting for credit unions. It's something that we should address too. So where do fintechs come in when it it comes to cross-border real-time payments? Yeah, you know, it is a complex topic, not just fintechs themselves, but when a credit union wants to bring on a cross-border transaction, One way that a lot of them do it today is to go in and do a wire, and they usually have to have a correspondent bank to do that. This is a complex subject. It's a complex system to support on a regular basis. So what I find is, and and as we start to see these faster payment networks doing cross-border payments, it's making it easier for credit unions to do that. But what fintechs do, what we on Alacrity aim to do as well, is to make the whole process easier to assist the customer in reporting, because there's a lot of reporting that has to be done, to work with the credit union, to work with their back office payments operation, to make sure everything goes smoothly, to do upgrades, right? A lot of the new systems that are being put in place for cross-border will also be using ISO 2022 formatting. That's something that most banks don't use today in the United States. But it really creates a lot of functionality for the networks to be able to move not only money, but data. So that's where a fintech could add value is that we convert those 2022 messages to a message type that the bank can ingest. So there are a lot of different ways in terms of servicing. Fintechs, you know, add alacrity, I'm installing a product level fraud system. So if the credit union doesn't have a fraud system that's finely tuned for weekend activity, right, for cross-border, ours will do that for them. Also, if they have to look at a funding agent or run through liquidity management to make sure they have enough funds to operate the system on a three-day weekend, that's something we're also offering. So what we've looked at from a fintech perspective is how can we help credit unions not only add the service, but to maintain it on a regular basis and not have to hire a lot of people or incur a lot of internal costs to do it. Yeah, and credit unions benefit so much when they can partner with fintechs. And as you said, this is a very complex system. So it really helps out everybody, including their members. I think one of the things also to add is that credit unions should be able, and and from a market perspective, offer anything that a bank offers. By using fintechs, it enables them to do that in a way that's easily uh, digestible to them, that makes their customers have the same level of service that any other bank would offer in an environment, in a obviously an institution that they prefer to bank in. 
It's very exciting for a lot of credit union leaders to partner with fintechs as well. And I think you've probably learned that in your experience as well. Yeah, you know, it's very expensive in a lot of ways. I know a lot of banks that go direct to the rail and bypass the fintech. And if you're large enough, that makes sense. But there's a lot of work there, right? There's a lot of cost to it. And so in a way, although a lot of people perceive a fintech being more expensive, in a lot of ways it isn't based on the new rails that are out there. They're much easier to implement than they used to be. Thanks for listening to the CUNA News Podcast. Subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Stitcher Radio. To learn more about how Alacrity can help your credit union offer modern payment experiences, visit www.alacrity.com. That's A-L-A-C-R-I-T-I dot com to contact an Alacrity payments expert.